This is a journey into sound. I know what you pico, heavy metal weirdos do. You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the mainstream. Hi, this is James Avera. I'm going back to old school. MSR cast? Oh, come on. Yes, we've been around for a long time and we're not going away. This is James Avera from Hellstar. Support your local scene. Hey everyone, welcome to MSRCast, the metal podcast on Metal Injection Radio. I am one of your hosts, I am a Carrie. I am Sean. And uh, we're going a little old school tonight, I mean like old school. So we had to bring on the resident expert in this genre that I know, it's Mr. Maurice, and he is a local guitar virtuoso, <laughs> and he's he's really the, the the biggest expert in this field that I know. Thanks so much, Carrie, man. Excited to be here. So let's talk about this. Um, what do you call this genre? You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of names that have been bandied about of late. You might hear it called retro rock, throwback rock, Vintage, occult rock. Occult rock is one I've heard. Uh, vest metal. You vest me metal, that. yes. Vest metal. It's, a lot of don't people like that, that one. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. either. But you, you do see a lot of the cats wearing Because it reminds me of like patches. Municipal Waste or Toxic Holocaust or something like that. Yeah, metal, yeah. Right? But it has like that 70s hate. vibe of like the, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, for me, I, I typically just like to refer to this movement as the Vintage Revival. Because it vintage seems, Revival? Yeah. Because it seems like, you know, a lot of these bands that are making this kind of music today are hearkening back to a time, you know, that I personally consider the golden era of music between say like 1964 and 76 um and you just hear a lot of you know obviously the beatles yeah from a more metal perspective you've got sabbath in there as well but there's a lot of in between and it's, you have it's me at cool. the beatles meet sabbath so i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah so let's talk about that those early bands um well you know everybody knows who black sabbath is everybody sure. knows the beatles but what are the bands from that from that time period would you would you recommend to people to get into oh man that's a list that could go on forever but we have an hour here yeah exactly um no it's interesting i mean just to to look at the chronology of music that was being made at the time and then seeing how it fits into what happened later i mean you could start if you start with 64 you're looking at the kinks and then you're getting into a little bit of hendrix and jefferson airplane and some of these other bands that people are probably getting the psychedelic with. stuff yeah yeah for sure I mean, all the metalheads out there have probably been exposed to a little bit of uh, Jefferson Airplane through Sanctuary. I think they covered White Rabbit yep. on their first record. Yeah. Um, and if you're a, most people out there are, are good, well-rounded metalheads. They can for sure. they can admit that there was music before metal. And <laughs> I mean, there's like one of the what the Steppenwolf, one of the very first to quote unquote term, heavy yeah. metal to use that term. Heavy metal thunder. And they were yeah. pretty. Uh, they had some heavy guitars. There's a lot of heavy guitars back in the '60s that people like '60s music. They think about you know Motown that type of shit, but there was definitely some heavier music back then. For sure, and I mean the Beatles is probably the most obvious reference that we could all point to that I think everybody picks up on. You know? the, the Beatles is one of those bands where uh, it, they they reach across all kinds of yeah. genres and in fans. I mean everybody. You could you could throw the Beatles on, 
And there's like a room full of metalheads, and then they'll start, oh, okay. Oh, for sure. And, and the grandmas will enjoy it, too. I think it was Mortician even did a cover of uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy. I don't know, some death metal band. Uh, Coroner. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was we, we've, uh, I've had a, a Beatles heavy metal cover version episode in the plan for a long time, and I think it might come to fruition That's soon. definitely one you should put in there. Yeah. But yeah, no. I remember, I mean, that, I remember that video on MTV. I never saw the video. I yeah. didn't know huh. it was one. Corn, they made a video? Yeah, they made a video for that track. Wow. With Weird. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So a lot of that stuff is like, um, when you think about like metal roots and, and early, like you, he mentioned pre, you know, 1976 is yeah. the date. Well, I think of 1977 as being sort of the early start of, you know, new wave of British heavy metal. Oh so, yeah, definitely. So this is interesting because this is music that's not associated with the new wave of British heavy metal. So there's not that sort of distinctive motorhead, diamond head, right. et cetera, sound going on It's the on ending there. of like what was going on in the 60s, the, the proggy, psychedelic yeah. stuff. Yeah. That... So I think about like King Crimson mm-hmm. yeah. and um, just kind of weird rock bands that existed outside. They were, they were big bands, but they were outside of the spectrum of of what we consider metal sure. today, you know? But deep it was pur- it was certainly necessary. Deep, early Deep, deep Purple. Deep Purple, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's because sure. they had that one track everybody fucking knows. I mean, they had a lot of deeper cuts that were pretty heavy. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. when people think about, like, Purple, they think, well, Rainbow was more influential than metal, so... Yeah, Rainbow was yeah. pretty awesome, too. Yeah. yeah. Stargazers is, like, one of the best five songs ever written. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Dio's pipes on that are, are bar none. I mean, it's awesome. But, yeah, I mean, like, when you think about... So Sabbath's first record, the self-titled record, was I think written in '69 and eventually came out in '70. Yeah. Before that, you've got you know the Yardbirds, right? Very right. quintessential kind of pop band from the '60s '70s. They split up, and then you've got Page going to do Zeppelin, and then you've got Clapton doing Cream. Arguably, two of the most influential bands during that time period. Zeppelin's first album, Led Zeppelin by Zed- Led Zeppelin by Led Zeppelin, came out before Sabbath released their first album. And I think it was in, it's either in Ozzy's autobiography or Tony's, but they're talking about being at some bar and they hear the, you know, the music come on and uh, Ozzy's like, wow, that's some really heavy stuff. And Tony says, yeah, but we're going to be heavier, you know? Yeah. Nice. I'm, I was never, this might lose me some cool points, but I was never really a, a big Led Zeppelin fan. It's because oh, bummer. I, it was probably one of those things because they were played on the radio so damn much. I was just like... But you got to go dig up the deeper cuts that you probably haven't heard on the radio. Yeah, probably. Too. I had a I had a friend who I used to hang out with in middle school and high school, and his dad would sit there and listen to classic rock at night when he'd get drunk and barbecue out in the backyard and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so Led Zeppelin, my first exposure to them was sitting there with him drinking beers and listening to them. Dude, that's awesome. That's a good first exposure. Yeah, and actually, it was the first time I actually heard pre 1980s Scorpions records because he was playing like Lonesome Crow. Oh, hell yeah. And all those early Flying records, with, yeah, Yuli John Roth records. Yeah. That, that, that speaking of, yeah, we just saw Uli. We just saw Yuli a couple weeks ago. That was yeah, pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was a real good night. Hey, speaking of <laughs> retro, revival. yeah, exactly. Uli's still pretty... going, man. And who who did we see right before that was a uh, I don't even remember the Black Knight Riders. There you go. It's with, uh, uh, Craig Goldie, Craig Goldie from Dio, yeah. and then Ripper Owens was vocalist. Yeah, and they did a bunch of old Deep Purple tracks that night too. Nice. Yeah, and we had Vinny Apicet on drums yep, too. Vinny, that guy's a that guy's a beast. He is. There was one point where he stood up behind the drum kit and took his sticks and like played a little rhythm on the light fixture. Yes, I saw. I was like, that's fucking I was so like, eighties. That's 80s, the most man. metal thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's where he did do that. During his drum solo, that was like yeah. four-minute drum solo. Yeah. They started playing the light fixture. I'm like, all right, dude. 
And you see all the fucking dust the and shit dust that came down. Just wipes it away. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool show. That Thank you for that, show. man. Yeah, no worries, man. It was, um, it was a killer night to go. So let's talk about the first band we're going to play. Okay. Um, I don't see. I don't know a lot about these bands. I've I know I've heard the names. Sure. But I've never really paid attention to their music or anything. So this is our our initiation into this genre. Cool, man. Well, hook it up. Yeah, so first track we're going to play is by a band called Graveyard from Sweden. It's off their second album. He's singing blues. The song is called The Siren. So um, any band from Sweden is okay in my book, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, those guys definitely know what they're doing musically. And this, to me, I think really sets the tone for what we're talking about in terms of the sound that some of these bands today are capturing. It's got a strong sort of heavy blues rock underpinning, um, a lot of analog recording, so the sound is decidedly old school. Yeah. You can hear it in the riffs. It, it, if I'm wrong, correct me, but a lot of these bands, with the way they record, the, the analog and all that kind of stuff, it always has like this out-of-this-world vibe, the spookiness to it in a way that digital, modern recording yeah. can't capture. It's just more honest. It's more organic-sounding, in my opinion. Because, it sounds more evil, in a way. Yeah, in a way, yeah. I mean, a lot of these bands today, right, you get in there, you compress the hell out of everything, you have to quantize everything, and it, I don't know it, what that means. It lends to a well. It just it lends to a certain amount of sameness in a yeah. way. You just hear certain sound, and it's like okay, I can almost guess where that was recorded by who and why, you know. And it's just so it's interesting to see that some of these guys are going back. And is that what drew you into this type of music? Because I know you know you're a, you're wearing a Vader T-shirt right now, talking <laughs> yeah. about this metal, but talking this style of music. But is that what drew you to this this particular style? You know, I guess if there's one person that I'd have to point to. And everyone who knows me can probably guess who I'm going to say right now. It was Michael Akerfeld. Because going back to Time Before Time, I mean, this is this is his shtick. You get into his record collection, and virtually every interview that he has, he's dropping some obscure band. So, always mentioning Camel. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> On the Lamentations DVD, I ripped this one off from Camel. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, you just... I started going back and listening to those bands, which are, you know, 60s and 70s bands, and really started to develop an affinity for the sound. I can't even remember how I found Graveyard. It was almost by accident, but it might have just been, you know... Did you stumble into it? Yeah, I guess, because uh, it, it their first record was released in 06, yeah. and I think I just saw the album in a store or something, like the cover art, picked it up on a whim, and I thought the name was cool, and then jammed it out and was hooked. And a lot of the other bands, you know, you find them in similar ways, I guess, so... And do any of these bands, I know, the, the style of it, do they really use any harsh, like growl gruff or anything like that no not really i mean none of the bands that we're playing tonight have any sort of abrasive vocal style to them at that'd all. be a pretty interesting juxtaposition it would yeah it would i look i pulled my five dollar word out tonight too I, I like I, it. that's it's it word. it's done <laughs> it's kind of refreshing that it's mostly queen vocals though because yeah the other trend that, that the indie mags and the indie websites and the tastemaker websites have kind of appropriated mm. is this whole Black metal meets obscure sludge, sonic doom mishmash, where it's just like eighties meets eighty pop. It's like this is not quite this is not yeah. quite Norwegian Something like Death Haven and all that metal. kind of stuff. Exactly, but it's 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 just appropriating mishmashes of influence. I don't I like something pure, you know, like the the songs we're going to play tonight. Something more organic and yeah, and unironic, and that's the big thing for me. It's just like I can tell there's no. Uh, uh, you know, winking going on when these guys are playing this music. Right. You know, it's, it's very yeah, serious. Yeah, you can tell it's it's for the love of the music. Yeah, not, yeah. Here's what's going to make us fifty bucks. Yeah. 
So let's get into the uh, the first band. You said Graveyard. The track is called The Siren. Um, album is called Hissingen Blues. Did I say that right? I think so, yeah. It there might be Hissingen Blues. I don't know. None of us are Swedish. So. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> um, so definitely the name of the album title. It, it pretty much describes what the, what the sound is, bluesy. For sure. So check it out. We'll be right back. I was captive on a sleigh boat Rowing through the swamp They threw me off To the lake of alligators Eyes were glowing in the dark And fear was in the air As the beasts were closing in Panic struck my mind Swimming through the mud Yes, I was swimming through the mud And a thousand flamingos led my way To the feast where I was gonna meet my doom. Tonight a demon came into my head. Oh, and tried to tell me in my sleep. Tonight a demon came into my head. Oh, and tried to tell me. But Lord, they proved me wrong What seemed to be my rescue Turned out to be a trap Suddenly I was alone Inside the demon's house He climbed the walls With blood and mother glowing through his side And every move I made was wrong Tonight a demon came into my Silence. 
to Graveyard, The Siren, off of uh, his singing blues. See, he's good That's at that. Good. Look at that. He's singing. He's yeah. singing. Yeah. It's a very good uh, like Swedish pronunciation of the word. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. It's just, um, it's just uh, hard to, it's hard to know. Uh, we're, we were talking while we were listening to the song about where the, the doom separates from stuff like this. Yeah. Exactly, man. Because you were saying a couple of these bands, they start off as like a doom project, a doom metal band, like full doom. And they've sort of progressed into this retro. You still hear the doom, you know, influences in the band, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of these bands are definitely still at home within the community. I mean, you might you might kind of call them kissing cousins with doom metal. And, you know, a lot of the stoner crowd, too. I think there's some, some yeah. overlap oh, there. Yeah. But the history behind any of these bands could like tour with like Mastodon and, yeah. and the band of that ill. Speaking of which, they are Graveyard, Mastodon, and Clutch are going to play in May. It's just not coming to Houston, which is really? so lame. Wow, it's a San Antonio show. Okay, road trip. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's a great lineup, actually. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no the the history behind this band and then the next one that we're going to listen to, Witchcraft. So members of both bands were together in a band called Norskin. Which I think dissolved in like 2000. Norskin? Norskin. N O R S double K, I think E N, something like that. I don't know, some badass Scandinavian spelling. But when they dissolved, basically one of the members went and founded Graveyard and the other one founded Witchcraft. And Witchcraft, I think, started earlier. They started uh, predominantly to record like some pentagram covers. And in their first two albums, which are decidedly more doomy, you can really hear 
you know, a lot of the, the pentagram influence. Yeah. And they've kind of evolved on the last two records. Uh, this one is, I think, off their third album. Their newest record sounds even light years away from that. Graveyard's first album came out in, like, 06. And, again, I mean, these guys are just, they've been really great releasing new stuff and kind of changing the sound, but it's still, you know, within this context that's somewhat vintage. And we're learning. This is like this is definitely a learning experience for us because, like I said before, these are band names that I've heard, just never really spent the time to invest, you know, learning about. So this is like almost like a a, a training class or a one on one. Yeah, you know, because for me, like my perspective is that a lot of this stuff started. I'm I'm probably definitely wrong on this, but it all a lot of it kind of centered around when Ghosts came out. Couple of years May, ago. Well, I no, think I think some of these bands are before, before Ghost. Uh, yeah. and, and, and judging from the release dates that he's talking about, it, it, it was happening long before them. But they were like the first one to make this into some sort of momentum building thing. They were gimmicky the, enough to get a following somehow. to get the media attention. Yeah. yeah. But do you like Ghost? Yeah. No, I love it. Okay. I was actually really bummed that I missed the the show they played a few months back last year, whatever it was. But hmm. I was flying in from California and couldn't swing it. Did you guys go? Ghost. I did no, not. No, never seen him. I heard it was epic. Wow. Who's in that band? <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows. No one knows. Wait, wait. Wasn't wasn't there a picture that came out recently? Yeah, they claim they claim that they unmasked the lead singer. Oh. Supposedly. Oh well. But you never know. And now it's Papa Emeritus too. And by the next album, it'll probably be a new Papa Emeritus. It's like yeah. it's like Brujeria, or Brujeria, 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 Brujeria. You know, never you never know who's in the band. Yeah, it could be anybody. It could be. Could be members of Napalm. Could be members of Fear Factory. Yeah, it could be Dino Cazares. We never know. Yeah, I never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, the next band. Uh, let's get into Witchcraft. Uh, tell me a little bit more about this 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 track and this album. Yeah, so this is like their third album, The Alchemist. Um, again, kind of a departure from their original sound, which was decidedly more doomy than this. You can really hear the pentagram influence on the early records, but here they're going in much more of a '70s direction. This track in particular, you hear a lot of major chords, which is definitely a 70s thing to do. Yeah, those chords are definitely major. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just it's a very old-school sound, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoys listening to it. All right, everyone, here's some witchcraft. We'll be right back. <laughs> Power. They feel the 
Archest, we are listening to a bunch of vintage metal revival tracks picked out by our special guest host, Mr. Maurice Segenschweiler. Thank you, sir. Um, we just heard Witchcraft. Yeah. Very fucking cool, bluesy. I love that uh, keyboard, yeah. the organ stuff at the very end. It was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely some really good dynamics and interplay with the organ, and the vocals are very upfront in the mix. I know you pointed that I out. I did point that out, yeah, because it... This track definitely has like a very late '60s vibe to it, and Sean, you mentioned Blue Cheer, mm-hmm. yeah, I could definitely hear that because music done that time was definitely produced in a different way. You know what I mean? Sure. Like vocals were an important part of the, and the, you can always hear a little bit of the echo from the recording studio and that kind of thing. You know, what was I mean? it that they would record all the instrumentation at once because there was only so many tracks that they had, and then do the vocals just to last. So yeah. everything was like the vocals were seemed to be layered on top. Well, yeah, you see a lot of stuff like back in that day. You'd see like you know the drummer in one room, the guitar player, and all play at the same time and right. just record. Yeah, that's that feels like the natural way to do it. You no, know? for sure, because then like you can actually look at the other musicians while you're recording. Yeah, actually, Sanctus Bellum recorded their albums that way. Back when we were doing that, <laughs> the way, I was about to say, wait a minute, the way they did it. You know, yeah. Wait a minute, when I was in it. So let's talk about your uh, your. Your metal credo, your where you've been and what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've God, I've been listening to metal for so long; it's crazy. And the evolution of 
just kind of the stuff that you listen to. You start off and it's like only death and black metal, and then you kind of yeah. <laughs> you kind of learn like yeah. there's other stuff out there and there's stuff that's even not metal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was playing with a, a really good group of guys for about the last five years in Sanctus Bellum, and then who we've uh, had on the show before and play their music before. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, Jan and I have. Very similar and also very different music taste, but we see eye to eye on a lot of this like 60s, 70s stuff. Jan is a huge purple nut, so am I. You know, we both love Richie Blackmore as a guitar player. Um, and we'd been talking about wanting to do a project like the one that we've started called Blues Funeral for a while. Jan actually aped the name from a. Uh, from, old... from Blues Clues, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Blues it's, Clues. It's the end of the series. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. That's that's going to be the name <laughs> of our first, uh, our first album. No, uh, there's a band from, uh, from Blues. The... Do you have a Do you have a clue? Yeah. Wait a minute, Blues dead. Oh, 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 But uh, no, yeah, there's a band from the '60s called the Groundhogs, uh, and they released an album called Blues Obituary, and that's where Jan got the idea for the name Blues Funeral. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's just it's something that we talked about, and then the time was right when Sanctus needed to kind of be put on hold for a little bit. So uh, we've been starting that up, and comparatively, what would you? How would you compare? Wh- how would you describe the band? Well, Sanctus was ostensibly a doom metal project, although Jan and I, we kind of put our our guitar flair in there. It, it kind of changed it up a little bit, but Blues Funeral, Happy Doom, yeah, Happy Doom, maybe I don't know. Blues Funeral, the biggest change I think in the in the writing dynamic is the addition of Hammond organ, which again kind of speaks a lot to some of the stuff that we're listening to right now. Again, Deep Purple, John Lord, right? That's one of the first names that you think of when you think about key playing like that. Ken Hensley from Uriah Heep, another great key player. Um, and Jan's just, it's sick that he's as good on organ as he is on guitar. Yes, he is. I always think when I hear organ stuff, I, modern, like, prog rock metal, I always think of Arjun, Arjun Lukenstein. Oh, hell yeah. He fucking plays the hell out of that organ, man. I'll tell yeah. you, Ken Hensley, that's a name that's not thrown around too often. In just even rock conversations, so that's, oh, that's awesome. That you just and he that and he, get, he guessed it on an Arian album too. I'm pretty sure Arian, yeah yeah, 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 got him to do a key solo on. I don't know if it was Human Equation or if it was on Zero One, but no, you're not saying the full title. The full yeah, title. I, I don't even know. Zero zero one one zero zero one binary. No, numbers. that that's Clutch. Yeah, that's a Clutch song. Damn it. <laughs> and we mentioned Clutch because um, what are the witchcraft? No graveyard. Graveyard is touring with Clutch and Mastodon, Mastodon. soon. Yeah, not to Houston, but. San Antonio, close enough. I mean, I saw Clutch the first time, like, 90, late 90s, like, 96, 97. My buddy took me to him. Man. That's cool. That's a cool lineup. Yeah, no, I think it's a great lineup. It's it's eclectic, but it works. It's got enough sort of unifying thread there that I think it's going to yeah. make a lot of sense. So what, what are the, because, um, you know, the uh, Sanctus for a while there in Houston for the past, like, five or six years or whatever it is, when people said Houston local metal, they think of two bands. They think of Venomous Maximus and they think of Sanctus Bellum as being like the two local, like big tier bands. Wow, that makes me feel good. And, I don't, I don't know and, if that's true, but and, and, thanks. And, and I think no, he's, that, he's like, just jerking you right now. Yeah, no, 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 so. no, no, no. And and because that's what it really was. I mean, you guys were getting all the accolades, all the local press, Houston press talked about you all the time. Uh, so what's the ambition for Blues Funeral? Like, how far do you want to? You want to bring it back up to that level where you're playing shows all the time? or Definitely. I mean, we actually just played our first show in quotations. We called it more of a preview. We opened the uh, Houston Roller Derby last weekend, 
at Bayou uh, Music Center. Yeah, how is that place anyway? <laughs> I hear about shows happening there. I never, I've never been. I've been to a couple of big shows there, really? but yeah, it, it was funny. We were all kind of farting around after the sound check, uh, just you know, kind of chit chatting about who we've all seen play that stage, and it's really big bands like Slayer. I've seen Priest on that stage, Megadeth, and, Megadeth, like yeah. a bunch is it of times. Really that big of a venue? Yeah, yeah, it's a huge venue. Like Soundgarden when they came, they played there. So they so they actually have roller derby events that happen before the show, or is it part of the same thing? So, I think it's yeah. From what I can tell, you said it was a just roll, Houston roller derby. They're on the, on the on the floor. Yeah, and then where do people sit there? So yeah, they, they like basically where general admission would be in front of the stage. That's yeah. where they lay down the tiles, whatever you want to call it, the roller rink. Yeah. And the tape. Yeah. Then like off they, to the off they to do the, that at Comic Palooza. Oh, do they really? Yes, yeah, sir. That's funny. So then. Um, off to the side, they had people standing kind of like where the bathrooms are. Yeah. So that was kind of like, I guess, general admission. And then they had VIP, which was all the seating in the balcony right. area above. And it was a pretty packed house. I think there were at least like 500 people there. So wow. So are you playing as the rower derby's going on? No. So we, we basically played two tracks before they started their first bout. Okay. And they had like the first bout, which was an hour. We got to watch girls skate around and hit each other. Um, just, there's worse ways to spend your time. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, after that, we played another two tracks before their second bout. So huh, that's cool. Yeah, how did it feel playing on that huge stage, man? It was a trip. I mean, just sound checking the stage was a trip because it's like again thinking about who I've seen on that stage and who's played there. Everybody from you know Chick Corea, who's like a jazz legend, you know, to Slayer, and seeing them do all of Rain and Blood on that stage. Yep, I was at, uh, exactly. It's just like how much sweat from giants has been poured out onto the stage so you just you get this warm little fuzzy feeling when you're up there playing it was interesting because you know we're used to playing like the Rudyards the smaller venues there's much more of an intimate crowd dynamic you can see like the people that are out there and yeah. really get to interact with them you see your friends out there and yeah they, for and sure that, and you feed off of that yeah exactly this felt a little bit more distant but and definitely you, and you the, and your vocals on this in this band How'd that come about? Uh, yeah, we're doing some vocals. Uh, Jan and I are actually splitting it. Um, it's funny because I suck at singing and playing at the same time. It is, it's really hard for me, but I really wanted to push it for this project. Jan and I go out and do karaoke all the time. And over the years, people have always like come and stopped us and said, you guys don't sing in a band? Like, that's ridiculous. You, you guys tried can... to get me to come to karaoke after the Napalm Death show last night. <laughs> I did, yeah. And I was like, ah, I'm done, dude. I drunkenly did The Ripper by <laughs> Judas Priest. Uh, yeah, in my face, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's all true. But um, I think Black Crown Initiate, who I was talking to at the time, or hanging out with, he was like, man, I'm, they knew you were gone. They are just like, are you going with that dude? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, like, I don't know what he's up to. He's like, I don't know if he's going to, because I told you to text me the address, and I was like, let's see if that fucking happens. You did. I, and I did. You did. I did text you the address. Wasn't drunkenly... You, like in different spots either. No, it, was like, it, was, it was flawless text. Exactly, flawless. I think flawless I, victory. I'm trying to think back. The first time I met you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was In Flames 2000, December 2000? Or was it Opeth the following year on the Blackwater, huh. on their second go-around for Blackwater? That's interesting. Because I, I remember know, you from I way know. back yeah, then. I think technically the first time we met even though we didn't know each other, was when Opeth played Fitz with Lacuna Coil and Yakuza. Okay. I remember yeah. that show. Yeah. That, yeah. that was actually my first show in Houston that I ever went to. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, because I'd been living in Venezuela for like four and a half years before that. Oh, wow. And so we had just moved back. Opeth was like quickly becoming my favorite band and still are today. And I was like, oh my God, they're playing a show here. I have to go. 
And I remember getting out of the car and Peter Lindgren standing like right there. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Peter Lindgren. You know, it's just. My my idiot friend bummed the smoke <laughs> off Mikhail. He was really? Like, he was like walking by. My friend was out of cigarettes and we were sitting there like on the porch of Fitzgerald's. And he sees Mikhail walking by like opening a pack. And he's like, hey, can I, can I bum a smoke? And he was like, yeah, sure. Did, oh he, did you say the cigarette was brought to you by Camel? <laughs> he smokes Marlboro Reds, actually. Does he really? Yeah. How, the, how does that not fuck that, up his but... voice? <laughs> I don't know. So let's go back to Blue's Funeral. Um, speaking of trailers, let's talk about, you know, there's a snippet of the band out there that people there can is. actually listen to. We might even pop it in here. That'd be cool. Let's do that. Who filmed yeah. that, Carrie? I don't know. Some uh, badass motherfucker I know. <laughs> no. Big thanks to you for uh, inviting me and my my filming partner no, to thanks. come out and uh, shoot that. We did a very cool seventies retro vibe to it too. Awesome man, the color correction on that is sick. The film degradation that you added on top of it is awesome. You guys made Corey's little ass practice room look like it actually can can hold some people. Yeah, yeah we were in a <laughs> we were like bumping into each other trying to film that thing. Some of the angles that George had to like get down on the ground to film that was. He's dedicated, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. It's it's fun. We're going to actually, uh, if you go to the Blue Funeral uh, Facebook page, we'll link it here on the show notes. If you go to metalgeeks.net, you can go to metalinjection.net or any of those places. You'll be able to find the links there. Yeah, enough think, about you, man. Yeah, enough. It's about not me. all about you. Come God, on, God. I think the next one it's about Sean. Playing, actually, is it about Sean? <laughs> he's just gonna. He's giggle. just like okay. <laughs> we can talk about me. Oh me. He's a person too. Oh yeah. Uh, I see what you did there. See, I'm, a, I'm the king of segways here. I see what you did there. So yeah, the next band that we're gonna play a track from is a band from the UK. Person. They released their first full length. Last year, so they could spell color with an O U R, and they'd be okay with it. Yeah, they would because they spell it P U R S O N, and I think actually person is supposed to be like in demonology or something, a king of hell. I, I don't okay. exactly hmm. know what the uh, what the impetus was behind the band name, but this track is going to be off of their second EP um, that they just released last year called "In the Meantime." Great, great track, and Rosie Cunningham. I think she's only like. 23, 24, but she's an amazing songwriter. And 
you know, going back to some of the bands we were talking about before, I think there's some serious Beatles underpinning in some of the writing that they have. Um, she is a student of 60s and 70s pop, listening to bands like The Moves and just nice. all these, all the Faces, like all these, you know, crazy old school bands. The Faces, I think, was Rod Stewart's band. Yeah, band. it was. Rod yeah, Stewart, yeah. I'm really into, uh, I, I really love like late 60s psychedelic stuff. So, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Beatles fan, a huge fan of the Monkees when they were in that era. Yeah. And a lot of people don't give it credit, man. There is so much good stuff. An album that I would recommend everybody pick up if they haven't is one that Ulver did, actually. Ulver. And it's a cover album. I've heard this, yes, sir. And Garm does all this awesome stuff by, like, Gandalf, yep. the electric prunes, the birds, like, all this old school stuff. I love when the stuff. prunes actually plug their guitars and become electric. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's... Uh, Better than the acoustic prunes. Totally. Which Ulver album was this? Was this... Um, about, Childhood's End, I was think. about a year or so called. ago? Yeah. It's it's straight up just a cover. Yeah. You didn't know? <laughs> what? <laughs> they, they had the new album come out year like last year, right? Or was that the year before? No, I think you're right. I think it was last year. Okay. But yeah, it might have been. The so year that was all originals, that. and this is a this separate is cover. All covers, entirely yeah. a cover Jesus album called Christ. End. It's so good. It's literally one of the best cover albums I have ever heard. I mean, because Garm's vocals are just perfect for covering music from that era. How'd we miss so that? looking up on under, under wiki um, in demonology, person P U R S O N is a great king of a hell, being served and obeyed by twenty two legions of demons. He knows of hidden things, can find treasures, and tells past, present, and future. Nice, I was right about that. Then it's a good hell king, man. It's a good hell king. You can find your <laughs> lost keys. I mean, you need you need lots of legions. Like if you're a king of hell, that's right. You can't have like one or two. That's just twenty one is not enough. But twenty two is perfect. That's amount. the perfect number. Exactly. I'm thinking of. Gorgoroth. <laughs> Satan. King of hell. In, with, a, with a V. King of. It is very cult. So let's talk about the track that we're going to play, Wanted Man. I haven't heard it yet, so this will be a v- brand new for me. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's off their uh, their second EP. They're in writing mode right now. I actually had the good fortune of getting to see Person live in Belgium at Desert Fest in Antwerp. And they were playing um, one of the smaller stages, so literally as close as I'm sitting to you, that's where I got to see Rosie play. Her voice is just amazing. There's nobody that sounds like her, and it's probably my favorite band in the last 10 years that's that's writing music now. Jeez. Wow, that's a big word. I don't bandy that about. I actually told that to her. I said... Circle in the Blue Door is the f- my favorite album that's been released in the last 10 years. And she was like, I could tell you were really into it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess I have a little bit of a uh, fanboy syndrome going on right now. Let's uh, check it out. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah.
Welcome back. You're listening to Person Wanted that was like Man. Your, that was like your radio. Welcome back. You Welcome were listening back. to. Well, I love that. And and the, the thing that when the vocals kicked in, the first thing I thought of was Grace Slick. Yep. Totally Grace Slick. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of that. So. I love the fucking, just the, the, the minute and a half, like two minute, like. Just psyched out. Psyched jam out session. jam session yeah. at the end. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. They, they do a lot more of that live. Like they're really big fans of like, hey, let's just jam out and vamp on this riff for a minute and. I'm just I'm so uber impressed with what they're doing. She's like I said I think 23 24. She's wow. so young. She had another band before this called Ipso Facto. Um very like Is that a fact? It is a fact actually. <laughs> see facto. I, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um very much more like poppy like 60s yeah. pop, you know. Um British, right? Yeah. Person's first album, their full length Circle in the Blue Door has like just a bit more metal leaning. But they're trying to, I think, move away from that and get more into uh, into this kind of like. That's cool. Rock. A lot of bands are moving away from metal, but still being metal at the same time. You know what I mean? And I, I use that word really sparingly with them because if you listen to their first album, it, it doesn't sound like metal in the way that we might think about it. But just it's heavy, just like heavy guitars. Heavier, just yeah, a touch heavier. But you know what? Because I was I was asking you during the when we were listening to, it, I was like, did you consider this more rock or metal? And you said rock, and I'm yeah. like, and I was thinking about that later. I was like, well. I like the fact that there's rock like that out there now, because when I because my idea of rock music now is the crap they play on the radio. Oh God, it's awful! Like it's the, awful. the modern rock nonsense that is just like, you know, at the sports bar music basically yeah. is what they're playing. Trapped and yeah, just, just stuff like that. Breaking so like, Benjamin. For me, I, I haven't been interested in Nickel rock. crap. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been interested in rock music since I was a you know in the rock dead man in the nineties or whatever. So it's nice to hear that, and I can go okay that that sounds like rock like rock as I knew it rock and roll back yeah. then you know yeah bluesy and bluesy and not, yeah yeah not overproduced. And it's okay if there's saturated no and shreds of metal or or you know any heavy riffing. It's got the complexity that I like being a metal fan, but it's it's more in that rock. Uh, Flavor, instrumentation, yeah, arrangement, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The songwriting, I think, is is key for a lot of these bands. The way that things are arranged, it's not, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily as as sort of rote as the verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You know, simple Beatles structure. Although there's there's plenty of that there, but it's it's the complexity and arrangement that you might expect from like an opath, you know? Yes, exactly. You know, okay, you, you said verse chorus. So I was driving to work a couple weeks ago and the police came on the radio with every step you take. And this is the first time I've, I think I've noticed this shit before, but it just sort of struck me. I'm like, why are they doing this? Why are the verses in a different person than the choruses? You know what I'm saying? So, like every step you take, every breath yeah. you make, and then the rest of the song was like first person, and then like the chorus was like, yeah. I'm like, what? And you go back and listen to a lot of pop songs, and they're all like that. It's like there's they're telling a story during the verses, and then the chorus, they get to like a first person perspective. I see what you're saying. It's just, I don't know, that just bugged me a little bit. I was That's like, what is going on? The police in general bug me. Because they, they have these songs that, like, have these dark moments, yep. and then they get all happy. Like, Don't Stand So Close to Me, like, the chorus of that song makes me want to, like, rip my nope, hair No, maybe out. it was Don't Stand So Close to Me. That's the track. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking, like, the lyrics of Every Breath You Take are pretty consistent, I think. It, it was That's, that's probably, like, so close the, to one, me. It was about the, the one the weird teacher song, yeah. looking, at, looking at the kid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The police yeah, had a lot I, of pervy I, songs. I, 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 I know what you're saying, yeah. 
Yeah. They're they're watered down white reggae. <laughs> I just I can't deal with like you've got this great dark moment and then you just inject like uber pop into it. <laughs> it just ruins the song for me. There's still a there's message still in the bottle is the same way for yeah. me. I just can't stand it. Roxanne is maybe the one song that like kind of maintains its position throughout, but yeah. Right, well, how do we get into the segue for the police? But let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to some like let's talk more about uh, let's talk about the band we're playing next. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna hear a track from Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. This is another band from the UK. Uh, actually, Ben Yaker, the bass player from Sanctus Bellum, turned me on to these guys. The thing that you'll notice first about this band, at least the thing that I notice first, is their vocalist. I don't know what he does to EQ his voice this way, but it just, it sounds like drugs, like the personification of drugs in a voice, and it's just very trippy. Again, you know, kind of in the same old school vibe that we're listening to today. Right. Um, you know, these guys actually got to tour with Sabbath in Europe, so they're they're definitely on an upward tick right now. How long have these guys been around? They've been around for a while. I'm trying to think of when this album was released, um, but they've been around for, for a hot minute. The album that this is off of, I think, is their second album, technically, and they just released Mind Control within the last couple of years, which was their third album, and I think they're working on another one right now. Yeah, they had first album was Volume 1 in 2010, and they had a bunch of different singles. Oh, wow. These guys are new. Yeah. Wow. Any band that comes out post uh, 2005 for me, I consider it's new. It's a new band. Yeah. Well, when you think about some of these guys like Opeth, it's nuts because I still think of them as a contemporary band, but when you realize they started in 1990 and they've got 20 plus years under their belt, yeah. that's nuts. <clears throat> yeah. So the band has been metaphorically described as the original Alice Cooper band jamming in a cell with early Black Sabbath and the Stooges. Well, that's interesting. That's a very interesting description. <laughs> And the band's name was taken from Rusty Day, the singer of Cactus. Interesting. Who had later had a band called Uncle Acid and the Permanent Damage Band. Huh. That's an, I never knew that. And so I love learned, Cactus. And you learn something I here learned every something, day. I learned something new. So Cactus. let's check out Uncle Acid and the Deadbeat. So I've never actually heard this band before in my life. So Awesome. Learning experience for everyone. Let's hope you dig it. <laughs>
And we just heard something uh, brought to us by Maurice, and that was Uncle Acid and the Deadbeat. I guess the good thing about that band name is he can pretty much put anybody in the band, and you'll never know because they're just Deadbeats. <laughs> That's right. So uh, what did you, you guys think of the track? I loved it. It was jammy, man. Yeah. It was pretty cool. His, like you mentioned, his vocals were very different. It's like, I think what Sean said, we're listening to it, is like he sounded like he was recording his vocals. Like, yeah, you just, you just go over there to the other side of the room and we're going to record you. <laughs> no, keep going. No, 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 no. Go out the door. <laughs> I just love that repeating guitar motif. I, I know, I love the fact that they recognized it was so good that they could do it throughout the entire song. Yeah, I mean, and I, I didn't mind at all. It was just ear candy. We were to listening me. to, listening to it and we're like, okay. You, you mentioned a couple different bands and like some of that last guitar get solo area was like very Sin Lizzy. And yeah. Yeah. With the it, twin lead action. Yeah. That very seventies, like European, like rock like that. Yeah. It's cool. Now it's cool how they just sort of like vamp on that one little moment at the end and let the guitar do its thing and just kind of solo. And, and Sean made a comment that, you know, a lot of metal, even, you know, you mentioned like 80 scorpions and things like that. It's so planned out, concise, every note, is already pre-written and it's in its place. You don't hear, you you hear a couple. You know, there's been some bands that just jam, like Clutch is a jam band. Oh yeah, you know that's me- they're they're sort of metal in general. That. You know, but there's not many. Well, I think I think there was something that happened in music, just in general, not even about metal or rock, but something that happened when you listen to records in the '70s and you listen to records in the '80s. Something switched. Oh yeah, where even like a U2 album, for example they would have moments where it seems like they're just getting into the kind of dreamland and they're just spacing out. Everything was very deliberate. Drugs. Everything was very focused and deliberate. Yeah, and they probably out. changed their drug. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think that's off base at all. No. I mean, in the 70s, there's all these people experimenting with psychedelics and whatnot. It takes you on a completely Aerosmith different and... trip. I think cocaine was the drug of the 80s and you see what that did. <laughs> Spawned glam metal and horrendous <laughs> shit from Sunset that did not need to happen. Well, I mean, I, I've you know I've read like um, some books on Guns N' Roses and the, the bio, bios for Slash and Duff and everything, and they when they talk about the recording sessions for Appetite, they really talk about how very and like very written and and scripted out everything was. Like they had these songs, they had played them live for years before then. They knew exactly what every solo would sound like. So when they went to the recording studio, it wasn't a a jam session. It was we're on the clock. Yeah, we're paying for the shit. Let's yeah. go. Get it go, done. Go, go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess there's two sides to that. One, you can say they created some memorable music. I mean, you hear the intro to Sweet Child of Mine and you can name the song before it happens. Two I can I, name that song in two notes. <laughs> Duty. <laughs> um for me, I just I am not a big slash fan, and I catch a lot of heat for that from friends of mine who love Guns N' Roses, but I feel like at least in that band maybe for the reasons that you're describing, Sean, but his solos sound so rote to me. It's like he stays in this one little area of, yeah. like, pentatonic scales or, you know, the major scale, and it's like... Well, I'll tell you what, a different way to think about that band, just a sidetrack, listen to Izzy play, listen to his playing, because then you'll hear, like, Ron Wood and, and mm-hmm. you know, like really Raw, dirty 70s yeah. stuff like that. Listen to the rhythm guitar and guns, and you'll hear something different than you would if you just focus on, obviously, the ear candy is slash... I'm gonna use my five dollar word again, but that maybe it's that juxtaposition between the two guitar styles. And the well, band those that... two guitarists, I always reference them as like probably one of the greatest guitar tandems in history. Just the the few albums they were on, the few songs they were on together. Um, but greatest, I think, mm, 
I oh, prefer I, KK and uh, and Tipton. No, I'm, I'm I'm putting them right up there with with <laughs> Smith and Murray and KK and 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 yeah, exactly. All right, that's your opinion. <laughs> you can have it. I mean, Who's I was argue with me. <laughs> no, no, awkward I was, silence. I was a, I was a huge Guns N' Roses fan when that album came out. Yeah, was it yeah, eighty seven. It was like, yeah, man, I, I loved that album. I guess I just I had to hide I, listening to it really. You know, because we were talking about European rock. Yeah. Even just European rock changed from the 70s to the 80s. Oh, yeah. Like, say, Wishbone Ash or something like that. Never heard that, man. Or the 70s Scorpions albums compared oh, to yeah. 70s to 80s Scorpions albums. When that when the Love Drive switched into Blackout, Yeah, totally different way of, of doing guitar work. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rudolph Schenker became more concise and... I don't know. Something, there's something weird about the, the eras, like how there's a delineation do, like that. I, I do. Lo, I do love me some of the '80s era Scorpions, though. Oh, I, I love it all. Yeah, it's all good stuff. I, I, the two favorite albums that I have from them though are, have to be In Trance and uh, Flight In, of the Rainbow. Oh, In Trance is so good. In Trance is like one no of one, the. Be- I'm I glad they that. inducted. I don't know if you saw the Decibel issue that came out last year where they inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh you know? no, I didn't see that. It's a great interview. They they interview so many people around that album. Good. I, I need a name like the the best tracks off that album, "Living and Dying." Yes, and of course, "In Trance." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Actually, in the documentary that Opeth shot about the recording of, I want to say, "Watershed." Yes, yes, it was "Watershed." Uh, Michael references "Burden," which is kind of like their ballad on that album. Having been, he was like, "I was listening to the shit out of Living and Dying" by the Scorpions, and he's like, "I wanted to write a ballad like that." <laughs> Michael loves the Scorpions. Who doesn't? <laughs> Michael does is is not afraid to wear his uh, influences on his sleeve. It's true. He's Are we not... allowed to pronounce his name Michael or is it Mikhail? Mikhail. Okay. Mikhail Okerfeld. All right. So we're no, we're, we're, we're from Texas, man. Come on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mikhail. <laughs> Mikhail Oker Akerfeld. Oh, the Michael. This is not the way you pronounce my name. It's quite bad. Thank you very much. Sound like shit. My favorite thing about Opeth is, is like, you know, when he'll be performing live, he'll just go into this deep, guttural vocal, and he'll song will stop and go, thank you very much. We are Opeth from Stockholm, Sweden. I always appreciated that about him. Just the fact that he wouldn't do the, the growling vocals in between song I hate dialogue. that I hate shit, that. man. Talk, you talk, to, talk to your audience. Save your vocals being. for the song. You don't have yeah. to do, this next song is. You don't, you don't have to do yeah. that. Come on. To me, that's the difference between like a mature band yeah, and one that still needs to figure things out. Yeah. And it's unfortunate when you see a band you really love that keeps doing that. You're you like, just walk oh, away when you, when you go to a show. Oh. The, the fir- after the first song, the, the next, when they do the, the next song is Sean's like fuck it, I'm well, out. Uh, it's, the, the best. He though. drops the mic. He's done. The absolute best is when they start in that voice talking about we've got T-shirts for sale back yeah. by yeah. the fucking. Yeah, it's like, dude, no, tip just, your waitress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't count how many local shows I've been to when when bands do that. I just kind of groan silently to myself, like. Oh, I've been around you, dude. I don't think it was silently. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> very loud fuck. and overt. Sigh. Really? Pointing at them. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Show me some personality on stage. Show yeah. me your real voice. At least they don't do interviews that way. You hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never had an interview where they did that the whole time. That would be, fuck, really, dude? I have yeah. To, now I have to transcribe this shit? <laughs> yeah. What What were you saying here? <laughs> Right at a minute and thirty-two, I, I heard. A, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> even if it's even hard when they have. You know, they're speaking English too. 
not using any kind of accent. Right. <laughs> All right, so um blood ceremony. Yeah. Let's 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 do it. Let's, let's have a blood it. ceremony. Best titled best named band of the night. Definitely blood ceremony. A good, good name for the band. How come I no love... one picked that name before? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a, a really obscure black metal band yeah. t- name, doesn't it? Going off on a tangent about that, I was talking to somebody recently about Behemoth's newest album. And I'm sorry, we don't do tangents on this oh, show. Oh, we don't. No, we don't. Damn it. Go ahead, though. <laughs> the Satanist. And yeah. it's, it's amusing that no one had taken that name for an album title. I know, right? You would think, in yeah. black metal, that's like a very obvious one to shoot for, but... I guess Captain Obvious wasn't around. Yeah, I guess not. He checked out for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check out some Blood Ceremony. Talk about it first. All right, well, so this album, Living with the Ancients, it's their second album. Um, Ollie, other vocalist, she does vocals, flute, and organ all herself. Kind of sounds like Sabbath meets Jethro Tull in a way. The first metal band to win a Grammy. <laughs> I see, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, this is a really cool track called Morning of the Magicians. It starts off with kind of a, a folky feel, and then something happens about four, maybe four and a half minutes into the song that just really opens it up. It's one of my favorite moments on this album, period. Nice. Um, yeah, I think you guys will dig it. All right, let's check it out. We'll be right back.
That was Blood Ceremony, Morning of the Magicians, M-O-R-I-N-G, not morning like I thought it was going to be. Man, Jethro Tull, huh? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Very much. A little bit. flute. It's cool, though, man. She's got a lot of dynamic and range in her vocals, and I just, I love, like I said, that passage that happens right around the four minute, four minute, 30 second mark where... The song kind of Mellows. resolves a little bit, you think, and then the acoustic guitar comes in, and it's this very like folky vibe. I love stuff like that. Yeah, it, it gave me a very Falconer-ish vibe to relate it to power metal for a second, where it's just it always has the, to relate back to the power acoustic drop-in that comes in. I love acoustic oh, drop-ins. So great, it's so great. Yeah. And the the flute work was, you know, we, we compared it to like what Arjun does with Arion. It's very true. It's like because he, he's definitely influenced by those seventies prog, you know, rock bands. Absolutely, exactly. And just, man, and her vocals, I, I agree. You mentioned Triosphere before, who we talked about to you, and you've never heard them. Yeah, no, I haven't. It it sort of has that same type of, you know, vibe to it a little bit. Uh, the vocalist almost sounds sort of similar. Of course, Triosphere is very heavy metal, yeah. heavy, heavy metal. But, yeah, I get the same tone. I, lo- I love her vocals. I like the fact that, yeah, the, the flutes reminded me of Ian Anderson. But the thing is... Oh, you know him by a first name basis now, right? Well, Ian Anderson. Yeah, just, 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 just Ian. Ian. Yeah. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Me and Ian um, go back Anderson. a long way. But uh, the thing I liked a lot about the... You were talking about the lyrics and stuff, how they're all occult-based. And I was thinking, like, when I was listening to the song, I'm thinking, I wonder if the like all these bands, because it seems like a lot of these bands are dealing with the occult-type lyrics, and they're bringing back that kind of mysticism that was not really a part of rock or metal in the past 20 years or something. I wonder if it's a reaction to like digital culture now. Maybe not to get in too intellectual or heady about this, but like, look at me. <clears throat> I, wa- I wonder. <laughs> My mind blown. I wonder if it's if it's purposely am- you know like, emphasized and the lyrics are yeah. purposely driven that way to be like we're tired of. I don't want to reference or I'm, it's a it's just a way for the them as artists to push well, away from Facebook from social well, maybe, media. From well, their, yeah, maybe they're doing okay. Here's uh, some music that's <clears throat> really accessible. A lot of people will dig this stuff, but let's write about some really fucked up dark mysticism shit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, see how see where it goes. I just have to think with certain bands like Black Widow, Coven being a really obvious one to invoke, given all the female singers that we've been listening to tonight. Yeah. Occult mysticism was a big part of some of that stuff, and I think it probably ties in a little bit to the drug culture that you know was definitely a part of the time as well. It's got to be it's got to be referencing history, but if they you know think about like their sound, if she was singing about personal subjects and like relationships and stuff, you can imagine like NPR would pick up on that and go, oh, there's a band that you should be listening to. <laughs> the fact that they're that you know their their name is they're alienating themselves ex- in a well, good way. Yeah, but but I mean they're very mu- they're much they're, I guess they're they're making themselves um, distinguishable by the fact that they're talking about subjects that are normally related to heavy metal. Mm. You know, even though their sound could be palatable by other people who are not into metal. So let's talk about some other bands in this in this genre that we're not playing this evening because we there's no room to play everything. True. Um, let's let's go down the you know like the list real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, it it definitely ranges. Geographically, I would say Sweden and Scandinavia in general are responsible for a, a really nice hefty chunk of stuff that's coming out in this is, vein. Isn't that true with any type of heavy stuff? <laughs> yeah, very uh, very prolific songwriters in that country. Um, the UK has definitely got a, a decent dose of it, but... What so would you, let, me, let me start. What about the... There's bands like Spiritual Beggars and those type of bands. Yeah. Where would you throw those in here? 
You know, I, I definitely would include bands like Spiritual Beggars and then other projects that Per Wieberg, who did Keys for Opeth and is in Beggars as well, is involved in, like Mojo Bone, which is his I've band. I've never heard that. He actually plays guitar and sings in it. He's got a great voice. Really? Yeah, it's it's a really good project. Because I know uh, Spiritual Beggars is Apollo, who used to be in uh, Firewind. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love his vocal style, too. Mike Amit too. Yeah. And Mike is a student of, you know, like, Mahogany Rush and Frank Marino, old school, you know, guitar playing. You yeah. can hear it in a lot of his leads, which are very melodic. Um, Kamchatka is another project from Sweden that Pear is in. They actually came and toured with Clutch at one point, I think. Who was that? Kamchatka. I've never, never heard, heard of them. No. Yeah, very bluesy, jammy kind of stuff. Um, really good. Okay. But there's so many bands that... I think are straddling a line a little bit with, you know, we've got some influence from this period of time, but we still want to hold on to our metal leanings a little bit. I think beggars maybe falls into that category as would grand Magus who, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, JB did vocals for spiritual beggars for a while. And Magus to me has more of the eighties in it now, especially, but well, they're more, I mean, See, we, we, last we, album, they really kicked in the power metal. Yeah. yeah we argued about how to pronounce that band name for like, <laughs> Five minutes one day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just came and blew it out the water. So. You think, yeah, like, um, speaking of that region, like Dan Swano's projects have sort Nightingale. of a touchstone. Have you heard the new Nightingale album? Yes. It's, he, okay, he is one of the most bluesy vocalists I've heard in a long time. Yeah. It's like listening to, like, uh, you know, a great fucking metal album with, like, somebody from, like, you know, Detroit singing like <laughs> this really heavy bluesy music. He's got great warmth in his voice. And I, I can't, I think when I was listening to the album, it's like, it reminds me of, you know who Michael McDonald is? Yeah. That vocal style? No. He was like a 80s pop guy, you know? Yeah, I can't, uh, he was with a big band for, for a while. Yeah, I think so. Solo. But he has like that, that same vocal style in the new... Nightingale album's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, fucking Witherscape, man. Yeah. They, they put an EP great. out. Uh, an EP out in the last year, in the 2014. Um, it's really phenomenal. They do a, a Judas Priest cover on there. They do yep. a couple other covers and a couple originals. And I guess the difference there is that he's leaning more on the metal side than, and then adding the other influences in. Sure. Yeah. He, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Nightingale's a little bit different. And it's heavy, but... I don't know. I think it's it's meant to have a little more reserve than some of the other projects Swano's been a part of, like Edge of Sanity, which is... Or Bloodbath. Yeah. yeah. Or Bloodbath. <laughs> oh, oh, that band. Oh, that band. That little band that he <laughs> that used little, to be that in. That little super group. That he's not in anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, that is a bummer. But, yeah, Swano, is a, he's a really nice dude. I got to interview him... Very uh, cool. Two years ago for an episode of the show. A lot of, He's a really cool guy. Yeah, and a prolific producer. Yeah, he can play like every instrument. The guy's nuts. I don't know how he does what he does. What I think Witherscape is still one of my favorite albums in the past couple of years, man. It's a, it's a great record. If you you know you combine, because he's been doing a lot of stuff for November's Doom, so you know he does he does produce you know produces them and all that kind of stuff. But when you get one of my favorite vocalists, Paul Kerr, writing all the lyrics for Dan Swano, it's like match made in heaven, man. <laughs> really yeah. is. It's awesome. But yeah, so I guess kind of shifting back to the discussion around some of the bands, what's really interesting, again, going back to the sort of geographical discussion, is there's a lot of bands in the U.S. that are making this kind of music now, which to me, I guess, is a little bit surprising. But even here in Texas, just this past weekend, um, I saw a band, a young group of guys from Dallas, 
called Crip Trip. And they're a three-piece playing just 70s-style, you know, Sabbath-infused, fuzzed-out rock. It's awesome. There's some really cool bands out of Austin that are making this kind of music. Um, Scorpion Child is one of the ones that has cropped up in the last couple of years. Okay, which really is a cool. name I've heard a couple yeah. of times, yeah. Nuclear Blast picked up their album. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. They actually came and played a gig here at Fitzgerald's. Uh, I think it was like two tours that collided because they had Orange Goblin playing upstairs, and then they were downstairs with Cadaver, which is another great band, I think, from Berlin or Germany, one of the two, uh, that would also kind of fit into this context, hmm. very 70s-style rock trio kind now, of. You mentioned like Orange Goblin and those type of bands. They're sort of <clears throat> retro, you know, stoner rock, doomish type of stuff. Where do you? How do this? How do they fit together? I I don't think that Goblin is necessarily at home within the context that we're discussing today, but they're squarely right around it. It's yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a judgment call. I mean, they're definitely students of all of this music but the way that they choose to present their music is much more in a stoner context, in my opinion. And the new album, a lot of Motorhead influences. Definitely. It, was, it, it, was, it took me back a little bit. I'm like, okay. It's that, good, though. Especially with Ben Ward's vocal delivery. Yeah. It's got a little bit more gruffness to it and a little bit less blues, even though blues is dripping from all of the guitar riffs, for sure. But there's, I mean, there's so many bands. Um, there's a band called Fuzz from the U.S. that's great. They're going to play Austin Psych Fest. Spindrift, uh, they do some really interesting things for like movie soundtracks, but they've also got some original stuff that they've written. Hmm. I think they're playing Austin Psych Fest. Psycho California this year is littered with a bunch of really great bands that are kind of in this style, but also do metal in general as well. Um, God, there's just so many bands to name. SOG is an interesting band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys have listened Mm -hmm. to them much. S-A-H-G. Yeah. They, in my opinion, are also students of this music, but their delivery is a little bit heavier, which I like. But they have, I mean, just... Much, much doomier. Yeah. Tremendous amounts of arrangement, though, in, in the songs that they put together. I mean, there's layer after layer with them. They... Just great, great songwriting. And that, I think that's where you you could took a band, like I was just listening to the brand new Baron Earth album, which is definitely Death Doom, but you yeah. can hear these influences in their songwriting style, even though they don't go, you know, how, how, how these bands are handling it, but you can definitely hear that influence from them, which is makes it, because they're not just a Doom band, they're not just doing, you know, Death Metal or whatever, but they're just... It's just all those influence from the the seventies, late sixties and seventies, seeping into that type of music, which has created a whole new genre. They use that organ a lot too. Yeah, I think that's a pretty vital. That's component. what she says. <laughs> I had to throw one of those in there. Come on, <laughs> why not? Why not? But I, I think that's an important thing to kind of pick up on is that a lot of this music definitely relies on that Hammond B three sound that you would hear mm-hmm. all over the place in the seventies, or you know, like the band that we're going to listen to in a minute, Big Elf. Those guys use a lot of Mellotron in their playing, which is, again, you know, something that was born out of that time. Do, do any bands use a Moog? A Moog? A Moog synthesizer? <laughs> I haven't seen one in a while, but that's, uh, I well, don't the, know. The very first Moog that. synthesizer that was used on any recording recorded song was, was the Monkees. They bought the first one. Hmm. Nice. I was like, that's a weird device. Yeah. It really it's is. A weird instrument. Do you, do you listen to Theory on a lot? Yeah, I do. 
um, when they did Sirius B and uh, Lemuria, yeah, they did a lot of weird '70s instruments. Like they had like um, I know they did Mellotron there a little bit. I don't know if they did um, the the Hammond, but they had a, like you know like flutes that chimed in just in the middle of the song, <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it somehow made sense and stuff. But one of those underrated albums that I think a lot of people overlooked. But they had a lot of that weird, diverse instrumentation in there that yeah. you just don't like, you know, consider being part of the metal. You mentioned the Hammond organ and John Lord, and the, every time I hear that, it reminds me of the last Halloween album with a song called uh, "Burning Sun." And the limited edition of that was like a a more Hammond organ version of the song. It was like the it was called it was actually called "Burning Sun," the uh, John Lord version. Nice, like, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting just the dynamics that something like that can add. Yep. Mellotron, too. I mean, like, you listen to some of Enslaved stuff and mm-hmm. the tone that they get out of that. I mean, their last few albums, to me, sound like they're invoking aspects of King Crimson, Rush, oh, yeah. uh, and then, you know, black metal. But <laughs> <laughs> Grudla's voice, you know, it's it's inescapable with that. But um, A little gurgly. A little gurgly. Yeah. That's the new term. <laughs> the new term. <laughs> But yeah, so there's there's so many bands in this context that we could, you know, sit and talk about. Carcass, um, their guitar player has two <clears throat> bands that I would say fit into this mold. Gentleman's Pistol. I've seen the, uh, I've never listened to it. I saw the, the cover though. And then I want to say it's Firebird. Firebird, yes. Yeah. I have. That's, um, wasn't that Bill Steer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bill Steer from Carcass. And you can tell Bill Steer effing loves deep purple because that's what this sounds like it's just it's tremendous speaking of which did you listen uh speaking of which did you listen to atlantean codex the white goddess album they released um it wasn't this it was two years or a year and a half ago yep it's like power metal like man of war meets doom interesting you need to listen to that it's a good record and it actually got like the attention of press and, and out media outlets that normally would it just ignore like power you. metal well i, I it, <laughs> it got my attention just because it was freaking fantastic but um check that out yeah it's it's like man of war meets sort of like rush meets doom metal like total doom metal interesting yeah it's it's one of the first times i've heard that crossover my interest is peaked so let's uh let's get into the next band that we're going to play this evening which is um, big elf big elf yeah they so, have big shoes to fill. They do, they do. But I, I think they're gonna, you know, hold their own here. Seeing them live, they actually opened for Porcupine Tree here in Houston a few years ago. That's where I've heard the name before. Yeah. yeah. And there's a documentary that came out a while back called The Melodrama about the history of the Mellotron. These guys actually have not one, but two of like the last remaining Mellotrons in production. Wow. And their vocalist sits there and he plays both of them, kind of one on each side of them at the same time. It's kind of a spectacle to watch. Wow. But All right. These guys definitely are at home here because you can you can really hear the cross between Beatles and Sabbath that is is just in their song structuring, it's in their riffs, you know, heavy fuzz drenched orange amps, all that kind of stuff, plus the Mellotron give it a really cool flair. And the vocals are pretty trippy as well, so cool. Let's check it out. I'm I'm excited for this one. Big elf. Let's do it. Yeah. 
You're listening to Big Elf Hydra. We were listening to Big Elf. Not anymore. Now we're listening to our dulcet tones. Our dulcet tones. <laughs> Hail Hydra. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Had to bring it back to Captain America. Had to bring it back to being geeky. So this is the, the, the only American band on the list, right? I think. So far, yeah. yeah. You know, this is probably my, my favorite one of the evening because it's a little bit more what I'm used to. That's not saying that I don't like, I enjoy everything else so far, but uh, you, this is exactly up my my uh, my alley, man. I like I'm the not vocalist. saying that in a bad way. I like the vocalist. We were just trying to describe the the vocals. We're like, oh, it's sort of '80s hair metalish Tom Kiefer, and you're like, Tom oh, Kiefer. Saigon Kick. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, whatever that guy's name was in Saigon. <laughs> Kick. Whatever that guy, no one never knew his name. Yeah, they were just love was on the way, dudes. Yeah, well, they won. The- they got they got popular from a, a ballad that was. Nothing to do with like the rest of the band sounded just like extreme. Yeah. But, oh know, well, that happens. <laughs> well, I think the big distinction too that we were talking about, you know, is that compared to some of the other tracks, this has a lot of atmospheric presence. There's a lot of yeah. layers, a lot of layers, a lot of uh, little intricacies. Yeah, definitely, you can hear a lot of Beatles influence. Oh, for sure. It's like okay, my favorite album of all time is Sgt. Pepper's. Let's let's do a heavy metal version of that album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Mellotron, too, adds a, a huge layer of depth to their sound. Mm-hmm. They're the most dense-sounding band that we played. But I not overproduced tonight. in a bad way. No, 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 right. but, but just, just like, the a lot density, of different things, a lot on, of things yeah. going on and layered at one time, yeah. And uh, didn't Portnoy, Mike Portnoy, like this band so much? He played with them and toured with them, didn't he? Yeah, he did drums on their most recent album, Into the Maelstrom. Um, but he also played on Avenged Sevenfold, so you can't give him too much credit. Yeah, you really can't. I, I, don't, that, know what, sort of, I don't know what Portnoy was thinking with that. It's like good paycheck. A, yeah, I have a buddy of mine. Uh, well. I'm going to call you out, RD. He's like he love you know RD. I do, and I've had he, this this conversation. I have with him. too. He I loved fucking Avenge Sevenfold. I don't understand it. He's like, dude, you should love it. It's like power metal. I'm like, no, no, it's no, not. it's not. It's bad. <laughs> it's horrible, dude. It's not even metal in my opinion. It shouldn't be. Well, he's the same motherfucker that uh, went on my Spotify when he was over here one day and. Posted that I love nickel crap all over the place. Oh my god! Hmm. RD was not me. Was not. We were we were at a bar a couple of weeks ago and we were talking music and he brings up Avenged Sevenfold and I'm like, no, I just flat out don't like that band. And he's like, why? And I'm like, for a litany of reasons. Like, shall I shall I go into it for you? Do you have a notebook? Yeah, exactly. Are we are we going to be here for a couple G- of days? Generic hard rock 101, basically. Oh my god! And he's like, but. But Sinister Gates is such a good guitar player, and I'm like, now you're really just Sinister Gates, <laughs> and not Sinister, but it has a has a Y in it, dude. You can't even spell. I mean, Jesus. Oh boy. Yeah. But we digress. <laughs> do Do we really? Let's talk about this for a little bit longer. No, I'm joking. Oh my god. So yeah, thanks for bringing uh, bringing Big Elf into my my life. I just, I'm, gonna, I'm actually having to listen to jam both of the albums tomorrow. There's yeah, actually three of them. There's one before the one that we just played. Oh, yeah? yeah, this one I think is called Cheating the Gallows. Uh, the album before that is called Hex. It has a little bit more of the Sabbath flavor that you can hear in some of the heavy riffs yeah. on that album. Um, yeah. There's nothing we played tonight that I didn't like, no. and that's the thing that surprised me the most when we were talking about the show. Was that guy's like, well. This will be interesting for me because this will be like uh, my introduction to a lot of this stuff. There's nothing I didn't like, and I love the the person track. Yes. I'm a fan of that band. Oh now. my god, that's all dude. I needed to hear. I'm 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 gonna get that album. That's that's how it happened for me too. When 
I can't remember what album had come out, but I was reading an article, I think, in like Decibel or something or on occultrock.com, and they mentioned Rosie as being part of this group of female-fronted bands that, you know, kind of have this... She like, was riveting. Flair. Yeah. And uh, I just... I think at the time they had an EP out, and that was it, called Rocking Horse, which is one of the tracks <laughs> off their last album. I'm so glad we didn't... Oh, man. That's awful. Just ignore that yeah, comment. I... <laughs> you, don't even, you didn't even catch it, did you? I didn't. Like, I said she was riveting. Rosie the Riveter. Oh, I see. I see what you did there. I, I, I heard he, him. He, I looked at him. I just looked at Sean, and he's like, that wave of, oh, God, what the fuck? <laughs> You snuck that one in there. I did. That was good. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was their EP, Rocking Horse. The, so so the they're track. getting coverage in Decibel and everything. Yeah, I mean they've they've been in, in a number of different magazines. It might it might not have been Decibel. It might have been Terrorizer, like, but whatever. It's amazing how easy it is for bands on that side of the Atlantic to get in to get the recognition of mag you know media outlets like that. Whereas I guess if you're a band in the states, especially in a place like Houston, yeah. It's a lot harder to get your profile raised up to that point, you know? Well, they were, I want to say they were on Rise Above, right? Lee Dorian's yes. label. Because they were label, oh, they well, were label, do it. They were label mates with Electric Wizard. Okay. When yeah. I used to do uh, Mainstream Resistance back in the day, I used to do a lot of stuff with Rise Above Records. And Lee was really cool. I hear things are a little bit different these days. I is, don't know. Is he not directly involved with it anymore? He is, but... You know, I don't want to get into certain yeah, aspects of conversations that yeah. I've had with people that may or may not need to be public, but we'll leave it. All, all I'll say is that Electric Wizard and Person were both dropped from that label, and I don't think that was planned. So, mm. okay, we'll 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 move on. <laughs> so, I guess that's pretty much it. We have one more band to play. Um, thank you to Maurice, and I'll oh, thank uh, you guys. Thank you for showing us this. New world of music, if you want to call it that. It's our our training session. In, <laughs> well, so we're all metal fans here. Yep. And we all started at some point, and we all have similar bands that we love, yes. you know? But, like, it's amazing. See, this is what's great about metal, is that metal is so big that you can be a student of metal for, I mean, for me, it's going on about, what, 20 years now, I feel like? And it's... uh I still don't know everything, right. you know, and there's still other subgenres within metal that I haven't gotten to explore. The subgenres of subgenres that yeah. I'll never even imagine to just to be able to like get into. Yeah, there's so much. The thing about metal that's so interesting musically is that it's you know an amalgam of that's a big word. Too. It is a big word. Blues, jazz, rock, mm-hmm. all these different things. So, yeah, the umbrella that's cast over all these bands that we consider metal is a really big one. And it really annoys me that metal gets such a bad rap in the way the media and all, you know, all that kind of shit portrays it. It's like, yeah. oh, it's all got to be death and doomy and, you know, oh, the guys can't understand vocals and all It's, come on, there's way more to it than that. There is, and the level of musicianship, honestly, that is required for metal to be metal, I mean... People just have to sit back and respect that, in my exactly. opinion. Yeah. It, to me, I always go back to that one moment where uh, Stephen Wilson first heard Opeth. And he heard, um, not Black, uh, not it was the album before Blackwater. Uh, Still Life? Still Life. Or My Arms Rehearsed? I can't I, I, he, he got one of those, he got either My Arms or, or Still Life, and he listened to him, and he was like, oh, well, this is where all the musicians went, was in metal. Yeah. So, Yeah. And there's just this level of appreciation for musicianship within the metal community that you don't see, I think, in a lot of places musically these days where everybody's primary concern is money. 
And sure, metalheads love money too, but you'll see these guys no, like, who, like beer money. Yeah, beer money, yeah. But you see these guys who, you know, come from really far away to play shows at small venues for a small crowd of people. And yeah. at the end of the night, they're just so grateful for the opportunity to be there and the fact that you listen to their music and that's all they give a shit about. They're pl- they're basically playing the music that they'd want to hear themselves and they hope you like it too. Yeah, if you're in metal, generally speaking, everything you do, whether you're m- making it, playing it, going to see the shows or writing about it or doing podcasts about it, you're not doing it for the money. <laughs> right, all. exactly. At all. And There's no money. <laughs> We're spending money to do this stuff. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I have I've been doing this for over ten years now. I I, I don't have a mansion. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have this comes out of my pocket every fucking month. So. Yeah, and I haven't asked for one penny from anybody. So. Yeah, yeah. It's purely for the love, right? I mean, yeah. I think it was in Metal Headbangers Journey. Rob Zombie was talking about metal and being a metalhead and kind of you know the culture that's behind this and he's like you'll never meet a slayer fan who said oh yeah i was into slayer one, one summer, summer yeah. you know <laughs> right it's like once you once you kind of come into this community it's like years and years of just it's you like know being in the mafia it's kind of yeah once you're in, in you're never out yeah, you're gonna yeah, be yeah, dead exactly. to get out exactly <laughs> well it's taken a weird turn hasn't it <laughs> yeah you just got morose all of a sudden all right so that's it i mean we have one more band. Let's talk about um, blues pills. Let's talk about blues pills. Before that, let's talk about where people can find us, uh, especially for the podcast, and then I guess for for the band too. Sure. So let's let's start with you. Yeah, you can check out our stuff on uh, Facebook backslash Blues Funeral Official. At the moment, we've got a, a little teaser up that Carrie filmed of one of a, a section of one of our songs. And Actually, it was myself and George from right. the Metal Geeks podcast. One of my co-hosts. We went over there and. Had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it was ready great. to do like some full length stuff, man. Oh, dude, yeah, we are too. So we're we're fast at work on that, and we we keep updating the page weekly. Um, so yeah, definitely come come check us out. Cool. And let's talk about MSRcast. Of course, you can go to MSRcast.com, MetalGeeks.net. We'll take you both to the same website, uh, MetalInjection.net. Um, you can go there and you put it backslash or the slash MSRcast. We'll take you straight to our page there. Um, iTunes, yes, rate us, rate us, Please. review us, do all that kind of stuff. Give us a star or whatever they do on iTunes. Yes. It? it's a star, right? It's a star. Yeah. All right. Give us five stars. Yes, we, we appreciate <laughs> them. Uh, find us on all the social medias at MSRcast on Twitter, Instagram, and MSRcast official on Facebook. And you can find me on uh, the Metal Pigeon at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, you're doing all that stuff now. All that stuff. Nice. Tumblr. I tell you what, I've gotten into Instagram. I get it now. You I understand it. how to do it, and I understand awesome. why it's so useful. So yeah, it works, doesn't it? Oh, it's, it's so much easier. I, I I post to Instagram, and it takes care of Facebook and Twitter. I know. You're Perfect. Doing, you're, you're doing that, huh? Yeah, I, I mess up every time. I forget to put the link to the article <laughs> or something. I'm like, I have to go back and edit. Damn it! Like a buffoon, but it, but at least you can edit. <laughs> at least you can edit. Yeah, I can edit. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So uh, let's keep it metal. Let's talk about. Um, a blues pills real quick and then we'll get in we'll take our pill and we'll get out of here absolutely yeah so this falls into the same sort of category of music we've been listening to all night female fronted as well uh by ellen larson she's also fairly young she's from ellen? sweden ellen yeah that's a cool name um their guitar players from france so i think they've, they've got a couple of different backgrounds yeah. in terms of where the, the guys are from but you listen to this and 
again, a lot of blues influence. I hear a lot of Hendrix. I actually got to meet their guitar player at Desert Fest in Antwerp. Um, he cites ZZ Top as one of his big influences. I hear a little bit of Blackmore in there, too. Wow. It's it's just really good stuff. And her voice is, to me, it's kind of like a modernized Janis Joplin, in a way, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It's very, very bluesy and very, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. A lot of emotion and a lot of presence in what she does, and she just has a blast running around on stage doing it. So I have one thing to leave you with. This is Blues Pills. If you don't take your pills going to lead to a blues funeral <laughs> i like it all right man thank you for coming on thanks and, so much uh, for having me let's check this out and we'll uh, see you on the next episode sweet let's do it guess what time to keep it metal i was gonna say make the donuts but oh, keep it metal all right, yeah. <laughs> metal
Mind Podcast, brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MSRcast.com. Metal or die! Let's do metal all the time! Yeah!